The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 20th chapter. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married and died childless, then the second, and the third married her, and so in the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now God is God not of the dead, but of the living. For to God... All of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. The Gospel story we just heard is a fitting one for the Sunday that follows the commemoration of all saints because it addresses something that maybe many of us were thinking about when we brought pictures of loved ones or shared memories of people who have died. In essence, it's related to the big questions that people have always posed about life after death, including if and how we stay connected with each other. As the tabloid says, inquiring minds want to know. We want to know what it will be like. We want to know if we'll recognize each other. We want to know what we'll be doing where we will be, how we will interact. One of the most memorable sermons that I heard on this gospel text was preached in the tiny village of Dozui, where my wife Linda and I were during our first months of language study in Cameroon. In his sermon, Pastor Jauro Rubin put a very heavy emphasis on the declaration of Jesus that there would be no marriage in heaven. As he dug deeper into that, you could see the women perking up as they, <laughs> as they imagined this new existence. The men, on the other hand, were getting more and more agitated. And as soon as the sermon was finished, many hands went up among the men asking for further clarification about this. They didn't come right out and say it, but you could see they were very concerned about practical things, like who will carry my water? Who will prepare food for me? Who will care for my children? Who will make it possible to bring more of them into the world? To them, as it would be for millions of men throughout the world, this was unimaginable. And that seems to be the case, too, for the Sadducees who brought the hypothetical question to Jesus about the woman who had been married to seven men from the same family. 
In their culture, this was a normal practice that provided a childless widow protection and security throughout her life. But it was only necessary because of the societal structures that made women completely subservient and dependent on men and regarded them as possessions that could be just passed on from one male to another. In his response to the question about whose husband would be, the woman would have in heaven, Jesus does not take those sexist structures for granted anymore. Instead, he simply imagines a completely new reality. In this age, Jesus says, that's what marriage looks like. But in the age to come, there will be a completely new way of relating to one another. And when I hear him use that kind of language, I think of a seminary class I took almost 40 years ago on Luke's Gospel, because one of the primary textbooks which I still have on my shelf is one by Frederick Danker called Jesus and the New Age. In our context today, New Age refers to something else, of course, to a movement that spans everything from tarot reading to crystals to astrology to, to psychic channeling to messianic predictions of all kinds. But when Frederick Danker uses that language, he goes deep into the vision and the commitment of Jesus to a world transformed by God's justice and love. For Jesus, that author says, the new age was the reign of God that was coming, coming already in ways that you could see and taste and touch and experience. It was the new age that would topple patriarchal structures and dismantle systems of oppression wherever they were found. It was the new age, Jesus said, where blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. In that light, when Jesus uses language about the new age to come in our story today, I hear him reframing the whole question about heaven and the afterlife and putting it into a, the context of a promise of what God is already doing to transform our life together. I don't hear Jesus denying any reality of what comes after this and life beyond this one that we know. Instead, I hear him saying that God is the God of the living on both sides of the grave. In other words, be looking not only for what will come after you die, but be looking for what God is changing in the world right now. Be looking for the things that God is already doing to bring about new realities and this new age. And be praying, Jesus says, every day. Be praying that God's kingdom would come on earth, on earth as in heaven. For me, one of the most hopeful places where I see that prayer being answered is in the movement towards marriage equality in our country and around the world. In life beyond the grave, marriage may be further transformed or look, look nothing like anything we've experienced. But I'm thankful for every step 
already taken that has broken apart gender discrimination in many places and broken open the gifts of marriage to all who seek it. And as I pray for further change, I also look for the new age where marriage is no longer an institution that grants special privileges and benefits to some that are not available to unmarried people. And I look for the movement of unmarried equality to gain momentum and to get us beyond social structures where single adults feel like outsiders so often in groups and communities of all kinds. Deep within all of us, there is a longing, I think, for a better place. And I share that longing with you. And I do trust that God will bring us there together. But I have to say, too, that I bristle when I hear that term only applied to life beyond the grave. As if God can't transform this world into a better place for all who hunger and thirst for love and for justice and peace. When my father died in this first week of November in 1970, the pastor's first words to us in the waiting room were meant as comfort. But I saw my brother stiffen up when he heard them. He's now in a better place, the pastor said. And of course, it was true in one sense. But we all knew that our dad lived his whole life in the promise that God was making this world a better place, transforming this life as we experience it, and bringing this new age to us in ways that we could taste and see and experience this coming reign of God among us. In the encounter that Jesus had right before this conversation about heaven with the Sadducees, he told a tax collector named Zacchaeus that he was going to come to his house. To an outsider like Zacchaeus who wasn't used to any such gestures of kindness. It was a moment of transformation right then and there. Zacchaeus was so touched by Jesus' love that he decided at that moment to give away half of everything he owned to the poor and to pay back the people he had defrauded with four times as much money as he had defrauded them. And I have always loved Jesus' response to this action. Today, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Yes, there is much more of God's goodness to come in life beyond the grave. But as we go on our way from worship, we can rejoice with Zacchaeus that God is bringing heaven to us today in gifts of love and justice and mercy and peace that are meant to be received and shared as generously as Zacchaeus did. In the end, God truly is God of the living on both sides of the grave. And for that, I say, thanks be to God. Amen. If you have prayer cards, you may hold them up and the ushers will come gather them.